HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The Grape Nation is brought to you by Wine Access. Here's a great way to discover and drink the best wines expertly curated for you. Go to wineaccess.com for more info. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Jean Gonan. We'll talk to Jean about the Northern Rhone, St. Joseph, and Domaine Pierre Gonan. If we have time, we'll taste the 2016 Gonan Rouge for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Jean Gonan is a second-generation winemaker with the sole knowledge and experience of many more generations. Jean, along with his brother Pierre, are the proprietors of Domaine Pierre Gonan in St. Joseph in the northern Rhone of France. The purity and distinctive character of their wines, achieved through great terroirs, a strong commitment to farming and winemaking, with an eye towards traditional methods, has made Pierre Gonan the finest domain in St. Joseph. At least that's my opinion, John. John, welcome to the Grape Nation. Oh, thank you for having me, Sam. John, we were originally going to talk remotely via Zencaster. We had a few problems. Um, you hung in there with us. So we are now talking uh, via audio from Zoom. Um, so hopefully the quality will be good. John, where are you right now? Are you in the Mauve? In northern, uh, yes. in the northern room. I, I'm in Mauve, so Mauve is located maybe uh, 100 kilometers from Lyon and 100 kilometers from Avignon. So we are just in the center, just between the north and the south. Right. Uh, so Mauve is a little village, 1,200. Uh, people are living That's there. It. Well, we'll 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 talk about that in a in a little bit. Um, Jean, initially, you not you did not set out to be in the wine business. Um, can you give us a little background on your journey in life 
that got you to the family winery? And then can you take a few moments after that just to give me a little history of the domain? Oh, yes. So, so maybe when if we start by the beginning, it's, the domain was founded by, by our father, uh, Pierre Gonon, uh, in the early 50s after the war. So it was so different. Uh, the world wine was not the one we know now. And uh, people were just small agriculture, agri farmers. Uh, and they used to farm apricots, peaches, cherries, and some wine. Um, and um, so it was very, very different. Uh, and uh, after, in the 60s, the wine business was not so good, so they uh, they were selling the wine to the big negotiant, like Chaboutier, De Las, Chaboulet. Uh, but at the end, this negotiation doesn't want more Saint Joseph. So uh, my father married my mother in '64, and they decided to 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 do their own bottling. Uh, and after that, they never fell again to the to the negotiant. So it was um, the story. And after that, in the '80s, my father came here. And uh, unfortunately, can't work anymore. And my younger brother, Pierre, was more close to him and was dis designated to, to, to farm the domain, but uh, he was too young, still at school. So I came back and I, I worked with, uh, a little bit with my father, but after two years with my brother, so we were very young. Pierre was uh, 19 and I was uh, 23. Uh, so yes, we were young and completely unconscious, I think, of what we want to do. Jean, um, but like I said earlier, was it not really your intention to go into the wine business? I mean, in a sense, did you get pulled back or you felt, you know, you wanted to get into the business? No, I don't know what what I want to do, in fact, at, when I was 20. Uh, I, ju I just want to work. Uh, I never work in the, in, the, in the vineyards and everything because I was helping my parents during holidays and uh, but it was, and I think it was difficult for me because uh, at this time you need to work with your father, and I was not so close. So uh, when my father came here, of course I wanted to help the family, but um, maybe it helps me because it was much more easier to work with my brother than to my father. Right. <laughs> All right. So the so, two of you. Were... <laughs> yeah, it's a qu question of generation, you know, and yeah. it, it was not. Uh, we we have no. Uh, Pierre study a little bit at school at the uh, vines, and but I didn't study anything about wine, so I, I had no idea about the wine. I just know how to work uh, the best I can, but. It was not, you know, I never tasted 
the great wines from Burgundy, from Bordeaux. Nothing, nothing. I just have an idea of the work. That's amazing. Um, it, it's it's probably so uncommon, you know, when you talk to most white people because they're very generational and they grew up in and around it. Um, I want you to help me with something. You know, I want to talk about, you know, your domain and the area and winemaking, but I want you to help me frame the region. You know, I want to talk briefly about St. Joseph. I mean, the AOC is relatively new for the world of wine. Can you just... So people know where you are. Can you talk a little about, you know, climate, soil? You know, there's different yeah, towns so, and locations. There's predominant grapes. Give me a quick take on so, that. So Saint-Joseph is along the Rhone Valley. And now the appellation is more or less 60 kilometers along the Rhone Valley. But at the beginning, when it was founded, it was in 60. Uh, in '56, the, um, the appellation was more restrained because it was only six villages, uh, and in '56 it was only 100 hectares of vineyards. Uh, now it's more or less 1,500, um, and it's 26 villages since the uh, the appellation was expanded in the 60s. Uh, so you have many different types of soil, even if they are mostly granite, so acid soil. And maybe half of the appellation is on the slopes, and half of the appellation is more on the plateau or a little bit on the bottom, on the valley side. Um, for us, our vineyard, it's very small because it's only 10 hectares on the three birthplaces, villages, Mauve, where we have the cellar, Tournon and Saint-Jean-de-Musol. Um, and these three villages are, um, the climate is it's not um, Provence, it's more continental uh, with hot summer, uh, less rain, uh, but cold winter. Uh, and uh, we have all our vineyard on the slopes, nothing on the plateau, and a little bit on the bottom, but we declassified these parcels to do a van because it's not terroir. So, Jean, uh, the... The villages, Tornon, Mauve, um, Mousol, those are the prime growing areas. You are in Mauve. As it expanded, the areas of expansion and the wines there, is it true to say were not near the quality of the original villages? Uh, I, I will not say that. Uh, I will say that they are very different. So, of course, Saint-Joseph is not homogenic, uh, but you have very good wine in the north of the Appellation, in the middle of the Appellation, um, and in the south. But they are different, of course. Right. Because it's not exactly the same climate. It's not the... Uh, so, 
you you can't say that the the wine are better in the south or in the north. They are different. Right. So that that's a good thing. Um, you've said you've said that the real work in wine is the farming. I mean, you are a true yeah. farmer, maybe a farmer first and then a winemaker. And then you say the rest mm -hmm. is so simple. So explain all the important work is in the farm initially, right? Yes. For us, winemaking is a very simple process. Uh, all the all the work, all the job is done in the vineyard because this vineyard, it's this this soils, this slopes, uh, they need a lot of attention. So every day, that uh, every day we are in the vineyard because everything you can do to retain the soil, to plow, to how so many things are done by hands. So farming is the real thing here. And after when you when you have the great grapes uh, ripe, um, it's so easy to make wine. You know, wine making is not a, a big thing. Right. Wine making is a simple process. You bake, fermenting, press, and that's done. But you will not interfere a lot in the process because. Who are you to to judge the pro this process? You you don't know what nature is doing during fermentation. So, Jean, you're in a very unique situation, and you know I want you to talk about it. You are on hilly, terraced slopes with your vines. That makes your farming harder, and and more time consuming that's one of the reasons with you that the farming you know is the real work in wine you still agree that in any vineyard it's the farming whether it's a flat bench land in napa valley right i mean you still have to create you know the best grapes true yes of, of course we want the best grapes but after it's a question of chance um because the weather control the rain um but you you try to do your best and it's maybe it's the most important thing is to try to do the best and that's a very part of let's talk about domain pierre going on um you know tell me you mentioned the locations that you have the vineyards. Um, tell me about um, the vineyards, you know, and the difference between each one. You know, I know one of them was you acquired the old Trolla vineyard in Mousol. I mean, tell me about As, the locations. So, so we we have ten hectares in total. So it's a it's quite a small vineyards, but uh, we, it's not one piece of land. It's many, many different piece, pieces of land. And we have some vineyard in Mauve, of course, this village where we are located, and some in Tourneau, just the village and the, 
in Saint Jean Mesol, where we have the oldest vines. They have been planted just after the first war, so maybe in 1920. Uh, and, we're, and we are, we blend, at the end, we blend all these vineyards to do one single cuvee of Saint Joseph. Uh, because each plot, each soil, brings something to the blend. So maybe in Les Oliviers we have uh, where we have more clays, the wines are a little bit rounder, riper. Uh, in Tournon, where it's pure granite, the wines are more salty, but the tannins are always a little bit rustic. And in Saint Jean Musol, where the oldest vines are, uh, the wines are always dry and but refined. So each vineyard brings something to the blend. So Saint Jean Mouzol is the the old Trolla vineyards, the older vines. Yes, exactly. Do you yeah, exactly you bottle them separately? Do you blend grapes from those vineyards no. with the other ones? Do you do both? Yes. So we we blend to have one Saint Joseph and some vintages uh, we bottled one barrel of the oldest vines separately to make a, a cuvee paving that we we have done or six or seven or nine and ten. Uh, so it's not every vintage, it's right. Not, um, and it's only one barrel, so it's it just to have a uh, to keep something from this old vines, you know, and right. um, some memories from Mr. Trolla too, uh, because he's now nearly 90. So uh, it's it's nice to keep memories from him. How early on, you know, you said early on, you really, you didn't go to any, you know, type of wine school. You had no experience. You didn't even taste a lot of wines. How important early on when you knew Mr. Trolla and, you know, when you bought the vineyards, you know, was he a mentor to you, influence teacher? I mean, was that an important step mm. in the going on, you know, wine world? No, I, I think Mr. Trolla uh, was just very nice with us. He, he knew our work in the vineyard in Mauventurno and he wanted somebody to to take in charge his vineyard after he, he will be retired. But for us, he was not a mentor. Um, maybe Jean-Louis Crippa, uh, where my brother worked uh, a little bit. Uh, Jean-Louis Crippa in Tournon was more a mentor because he was very precise, hard worker, uh, uh, this, this, he was more a mentor for us than uh, maybe uh, Raymond Trolla. Right. Um, Raymond Trolla, the, the place was uh, amazing and uh, everything, but uh, the, the work and we learn more from uh, Jean-Louis Crippa, I think. And the vines are Trolla upwards to 100 years old, I mean, when you got in there? Yeah, so they are not all uh, 
100 years old. Uh, most they are between 50 and 60 years old, and okay. the oldest part is right. 100. But they are still healthy, and they are still producing grapes. They, um, they are not done, not yet. Right. Um, a few things. The soil is mostly granite, and how do you pronounce it? Gneiss? Nice, Gneiss? Gneiss, Gneiss, yes. In Saint-Jean-Mizol, it's more Gneiss, so very, it's like an old granite, very sandy, very poor. And what so what, makes, what characteristics do, does that does the granite and the gneiss you know give to the wines? The, the granite in Tournon is a young granite, so uh, maybe the wine are always ripe, full-bodied, uh, strong, dark, uh, uh, with strong tannins. And in Saint-Jean-Musol, the wines are always more refined with this violet floral touch uh, due to the iron in the soil. Right. Uh, but the, the wine has got structure, but no, no flesh around this mm. structure. So mm. they, they are completely different. But right. They blend well. Can you tell me, this is important to your winemaking, but I want you to help me explain it to our listeners. Can you tell me about selection, masali, and cloning, you know, and the importance of old vines? Can you give me a little primer on that? Because that's important to how you, you know, grow your vines and make your wines. So it's it's important to know that Sarah is, producing not regularly. So it's really up and down the production with Sierra. So in the very early, maybe at the end of the 70s, uh, people selected some clones to have a bigger production, a riper production. Um, but now we can see that these this grapes are maybe too ripe, uh, growing too, uh, a production too, too much production. Uh, so the, the most important uh, maybe is to come back to, to the local selection, massal selection, uh, to have more diversity and uh, maybe a riper stamps too, uh, a lower degree of alcohol. Maybe if it's just a few um, uh, 0.4 or 0.5, it's very important now to have a little bit uh, lower alcohol. And uh, yes, so we, we believe in uh, massal selection, but it's a long-term work, you know. Uh, right. It will not be finished because you always need to select uh, more and more and different, and sometimes you fail. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very important to maintain uh, the diversity of Syrah. Do the uncloned vines, the Masal, they, they live longer, right? I mean, cloned vines do not yes. live or cannot, don't live as long as a uncloned. No. Is that correct? 
Yes, it's correct. And it's a very big problem because uh, you will never have old vines uh, with clones because uh, because they are struggling, you know, with this big production when they are young. Uh, so it's it's a problem it's that you will never have uh, right. and maybe 50% of the northern Rhone is planted with clones. So yes, it's a big problem for all the vineyards around. Um, speaking of vineyards, I don't want to skip the point where you talked about early that all the vines are on a slope, hilly, terraced. Um, I mean, it's maybe hard for some people to imagine, but describe, I mean, there are rows of vines that are literally on a little terrace that's, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 feet wide, and you have to farm each one. Can you can you talk about that a little, which is the, the difficulty of, you know, the farming you have to do? <laughs> yes, it's it's difficult, but it's it's our job. Uh, right. We we know nothing else, so yes, it's difficult, and we are very lucky to uh, we have people working with us, and they are really involved in all the organic process, organic farming. So it's really important to find the right people to to work because you can't do everything by yourself. And we are lucky to have two guys working all along the year with us and a lot of seasonal workers too, uh, especially for hoeing, for tying up the vines because all the vines are on stake. They have all their individual stakes and we need to tie them up. Uh, so... Yes, everything uh, we are, it's like being one people for one hectare working. Right. Uh, if we want to do it correctly. Uh, you you shifted to organics in the early 2000s. Um, my guess is that previous to that, you were pretty close to the practice of organics, but you know, now you're entirely organic. Um, Tell me what that entails. I mean, you talked about it a little where your practices, you know, herbicides, oh, all of that. Yes. But, um, I think in this area, a lot of people are doing, you know, the, the spraying um, are very close to organic. People are using copper, sulfur, but not a lot of insecticide or uh, chemicals, uh, but the main problem is to uh, for the soils. So a lot of uh, farmers are still using herbicides because of the slopes, because of the small terraces. But um, there are some other ways you can plow, you can how. Um, but it, yes, we we did it in 2004. So. Yes, it, uh, it it has changed our life really because you are more uh, focused on the soil, and the soil is everything. You know, the, the weather right. is, is a part of your vintage, but the soil is a part of all your your life. It will be 
uh, you will keep it all your life. So you have to to maintain your soil, to uh, to be careful, and um, yes, it's and we are we don't believe in grass, and uh, so because the soils are too right. poor in nitrogen, so we need to plow and to how. Uh, it's really important. Was your did your dad initially follow organic practices? And you continued on, or was he using herbicides at any point? You know, when you first got no, in we, there, we, you... we before two thousand and four, we used herbicides. Oh, you did. We, that, we were that, doing that gold spray. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but we did until the end of the nineties, and after doing five years, we left the grass in the vineyard, and after five years in two thousand. 2003, we have seen the limit of that uh, in our vineyards. You know, uh, the production was very low. The vines were suffering uh, in the early spring. It, it it was the the end for us to to leave the grass growing in the vineyard, uh, and it's easy to understand because the old people were plowing, howing, and it was very difficult for them to, that if they were doing, doing this, it was for one, one reason. Right. Um, Jean, it's fair to say that, you know, you're an old soul as far as tradition and, you know, practicing your methods in the uh, field and in the cellar. Um, I want you to get a little into your winemaking and cellar practices. Um, you know, everything from whole cluster, you know, to the type of, you know, vessels that you, uh, you know, store the wine and, and age them. Um, tell me a little about um, the winemaking. You know, you toiled over the farming, you got the grapes in, you did the good stuff. Now, how do we make, how do we make you know the good wine? I mean, I don't want to discount this so much. I get the farming, but you know, how do we make the going on Syrah wine? And and after you have to pay attention to to details when the grapes arrive, uh, but in a simple way. So we are not for for the white. It's very simple because we are doing some white essentials have too with Marsan and Hussan. So we press directly the grapes, but slowly. Uh, and after we are making one juice, mixing the Marsan and the Roussan together, and it's going in barrels for fermentation. And it will stay more or less one year on the sediment uh, before the, bottling in, in winter. Is the white wine predominantly one grape more than the other year in year out, or it, it yes, the blend more, varies. We, we have more or less eighty percent of Marsan and twenty okay. percent of Roussan. Um, Marsan has got the structure, and Roussan has got the refined fruit, very delicate. But the structure is with Marsan, and that's the Le, uh, Le Olivier Blanc. Yes. Exactly, because it's coming from a single UD named Les Oliviers with more clay. So the 
this kind of soil make the wine rich, uh, ripe, powerful. Uh, they are white for for food. They are not white for aperitif or fresh seafood. Right. Uh, they need something a little bit more creamy, uh, white meat. That was the first vineyard your father farmed, correct? Yes, exactly. So he started right. by, well, I don't know, one hectare of white essential taste and just a little bit of red. Uh, I've had it many times, and it is certainly a special wine. All right, talk to me about you know the reds, which is certainly the bulk of the wines that you make. Um, talk to me about the yeah, winemaking so, and cellar practices there. So the, the red, we, we put the grapes in, in the big open tank for fermentation. So sometimes it's all cluster, depending on the vintage, depending on the grapes. Uh, sometimes we distant a little bit, so usually it's between 80 to 90 percent of all cluster. Um, and after fermentation, it's more or less three weeks uh, in these tanks. And after that, we 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 put the the wine in bigger barrels named the Mimi. So it's 600. Liters, uh, and it will stay one year uh, in the Tomimui, and after about five, six months in tank. So the first winter is in barrels downstairs, and the second winter is in stainless tank upstairs in the cold to uh, to close a little bit for the wines. And after we are bottling without filtration or because the winter um, sediment naturally the the cold weather sediment naturally the the wine. So you destem very little. What characteristics yeah. do the stems add to your wine? So on the nose, I think you can you you will ask after maybe for between four, six years, something a little bit more floral. Uh, and the, the structure structure in the mouth is always a little bit harder, a little bit severe at the beginning uh, with a touch of green. But after maybe quite quickly, one year, you will have something softer and That's interesting. Um, I thought it would take, you know, a little longer. Um, two questions. Do you crush by any type of machine or feet? And do you do any punch downs in any of the tanks? Yeah, so we, we are punching down twice a day uh, with the feet, of course, at the beginning, because... It's the we haven't got we are not strong enough with the harms uh, because it's all cluster so it's very strong and you need the your legs to be stronger uh, right. <laughs> to, to to punch it down uh, and uh, after after I don't.
don't know, after fermentation, so maybe after 10 days, we can do it with a arms, with a little, uh, you know, like a big right. stick. You can right. do you down. Do you do anything different with the old vines from the Trolla vineyard? Do you, in the winemaker? No, yeah. Do you, any, do you oh, vint it differently? No, it's the same way, except that the old vines are always uh, old cluster because the stems okay. are very ripe, thin, uh, and it brings something to these old vines, uh, uh, a little bit more structure, something a little bit more austere. Right. So it's always old cluster. So we talked a little about the white. You just talked about the old vines. The... Is it fair to say the wine you make the most of is the 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 red Saint Joseph, and then or is it more of the uh, Ferret? Yes, but our wine is the blend Saint Joseph red, and after okay. we we are doing for the Il Ferret with the but youngest what? vines and with the bottom. Right. So the difference really is vine age. Anything else? On the foray? Yes. And and the, and the soil uh, for Il Ferret, uh, maybe half of the vineyard is on the bottom. So deeper soil, richer soil. So the grapes are always very ripe, but uh, with not the same quality of tannins. The tannins are, even if there is less tannins in the Il Ferret, they are a little bit more aggressive, and uh, it's not the same quality, I think. It's the main does, difference. Does that mean it ages, but it won't age as long as the uh, the Saint Joseph red, or not necessarily? No, I, I think the Il Ferre is, to, is made to be drink uh, quite young. What, what's the window? two, three years. Okay. Two, three, I, w- I would say two, three, four years right. on the fruit, not not to keep. Right. And Saint Joseph, you 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 can try when it's very young after bottling, uh, because usually they are open after one year of bottling. But you can keep them. Maybe the best window is between six and ten years old, depending on on the vintage. Um, Jean, we have to take a quick break for our sponsors. We're talking to Jean Gonet from Domaine Pierre Gonan in the Northern Rhone in St. Joseph. Um, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Grape Nation. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the Grape Nation, Wine Access. Whether you're a beginner or a wine connoisseur, Wine Access makes it easy for everyone to learn about and buy the wines you like. It doesn't matter whether you're looking to spend a few bucks or go hard, Wine Access will take the guesswork out of choosing a great bottle. It's all about the curation. Their team tastes over 20,000 wines per year. They only select the finest wines that exceed expectations and over deliver on price. 
I, along with my guests, always tell you guys to rely on the experts, whether it be retailers, psalms, or winemakers. Wine Access has all the knowledge, connections, and stories to point you to the best wines based on your tastes. It takes decades to cultivate relationships with under-the-radar winemakers and iconic producers. Let Wine Access and their sommeliers, master sommeliers, and masters of wine unlock access to the most out-of-reach wines. Discover your new favorite bottle with Wine Access. They have an exclusive offer available for the Grape Nation listeners. 20% off your first order. Just go to the special URL, wineaccess.com slash Grape Nation, and the discount will be applied at checkout. There are some incredible wines waiting for you, so go now to wineaccess.com slash Grape Nation for 20% off. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Jean Gonan. Jean, along with his brother, is the proprietor of Domaine Pierre Gonan, making magnificent wines in St. Joseph in the northern Rhone of France. Um, Jean, I'm, I'm always curious about this. I mean, vintages vary. I mean, that's what nature's all about. But, you know, did you have tough vintages and what made them tough? You know, have you had a string? I mean, all your wines are great. Um, but talk to me about tough vintages, and I'm going to back you against the wall and ask you about favorite vintages. Mm. It's, a, it's always a difficult question to speak about the top vintages because the top vintages are usually the easiest vintages um, so I don't know maybe we can say 10 was a, one of the greatest wines uh, we had uh, but it was an easy vintage you know small harvest not too right. early not too late um, and after that sometimes you can have very difficult vintage like I don't know uh, 08 02 uh, or more recently, maybe some vintages like 12, 14, a little bit more uh, difficult because we, we had some rain during picking. Or, uh, and sometimes you are prouder of these vintages because they they needed more work, more... Right. Uh, yeah, so, but of course, the greatest... Are always the the best vintages are always the easiest usually. Right. When I asked you toughest, I didn't necessarily mean that toughest would indicate, you know, the worst wines. I'm just, you know, what it took to get to those wines. You know, whether they were great or, you know, very good. Um, I'm curious with what's been going on almost the past year or even more. I'm curious how your life has been during the pandemic you know what effects it's had on you personally what effects it's had on you know your day-to-day -day, mm -hmm. you know process of you know growing and making wine uh, we 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 were 
very lucky during this pandemic because uh, when we started in March uh, to have all the restrictions in France, uh, it for us it was the beginning of the season, so the beginning of having new new employees, to have new seasonal workers coming from Spain, coming from Romania, coming from uh, Morocco. And we were very lucky because everybody was there. Uh, and people were very involved. Nobody was sick. Nobody was here. Uh, so we, we can do all the season. And for us, it was a real escape, you know, from the... Right. Uh, to work outside, to be allowed to work outside with people. You can speak, you can share. Right. Uh, so it, it was, I can say that we had a good time. Uh, one of the, all the, one of the few people who could say that. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, yes. And it's, it's why we are really lucky because we we were working and it was the same during uh, harvest. Uh, right. Has the pandemic created any new challenges for you or, you know, you'll get back to business as normal. Does it change the timeline? Is it going to change how you can get people? Is that unknown yet? No, it's, it's a little, uh, because, uh, the vines are not waiting. Um, so it's a little bit a normal life. Honestly, we just realized that, uh, uh, but it was very comfortable um, to have less visitors during the big season in April, May, June, uh, because we have more time to think about the work, to uh, to be more focused on our work. But it's a shame to say that because we are very lucky that people are coming to taste our wines. And <laughs> well objectively i don't think you're gonna have to worry about that i think you're gonna have to worry about too many people coming but that's you know a uh, a compliment you know to the wines you make you know to that point um i'm not sure i don't get a sense you're in this you know for the money i mean i know you want to do everything right make a living um but what does the future look like? I mean, do you want to acquire more land? Are you happy with what you have? I mean, where do you see yourself, you know, down the road? No. Yeah. We, we are happy with what we had. Honestly, we don't, we don't need more, except if it's to do better. So if we, I don't know, if we can plant uh uh, a very good land, if we can rent a very good vine, why not? But it's not necessary at this point of our life. Uh, we prefer to focus on what we are because not, nothing is perfect. Uh, you always need to, to, to involve and to, to, to do better. So, uh, and the next generation will see. 
but we, the we we are not young people with my brother, and we have more than fifty years old. We are more than fifty right. years old, so uh, maybe we need more to focus and do better and, uh, than to to be bigger. Is there anyone in the family that has an interest, or is there already? Oh, uh, I th I think my nephews, so Pierre's uh, right. sons. Uh, they are already not involved because they are not working with us, but they are really involved in the in the wine and in the vines farming and right. uh, so yes. Demand, you know, I, interest I in so. the yeah. I, I we would love it to continue um, with the family. You know, interest in the demand of the wine has only gotten you know, bigger, um, you know, you don't feel any pressure to react to that, right? No. Yeah, stay the course. Right. And and being the owner of your land, I think it's very important to, to don't have a pressure from investors. Uh, uh, right. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's really important and so you can have your free mind for for your work, for your everyday work, uh, and especially maybe during this pandemic times, uh, it's important not to be too big uh, and to have your very fidel and loyal customers. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't think you have to worry about loyalty. All right, John, I do this thing on the show called The Wine List. I ask all my guests, each guest gets asked the same five questions. So I'm going to ask you some questions about your wine preferences. And everybody who passes, you know, through this microphone gets asked the same five questions. My listeners are always interested in, you know, what guys like you are drinking and thinking. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Answer them quickly. Don't dwell on them. You know, if you have multiple answers, fine. If you have one, fine. So the first question that we ask everyone is, what are you drinking now? Now, I suspect that you're always tasting your wines and all of that, but what other wines do you like to taste or drink? What's in your refrigerator right now? Are you changing your taste because of the seasons? Give me an idea. <laughs> so yes, we are tasting our wines, but we are we are never, I would say, drinking our wines uh, because our wines is working, uh, it's work, uh, and when we are drinking uh, at the table, it's completely different. So we need to escape from the world. Uh, so we are drinking a little bit. We are drinking mostly, and shame of us, but uh, uh, French wine, okay. uh, maybe because it's what we know the best. Okay. Uh, so we are drinking a lot of, um, a lot of champagne, for sure. <laughs> champagne is always uh, great. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we yes, but we can. You, we always have a, a bottle of champagne. Uh, 
but uh, we really enjoy the, the Loire Valley um, okay. with Cabernet, uh, especially maybe in in summer or spring when the weather is a little bit warmer because uh, you can uh, refresh a little bit and they always uh, delicious. Those, so, those are good ones. For the white we are doing. What whites were you going to say? And the, the white, we are drinking a lot of, uh, I think the opposite of the white we are doing, we are drinking a lot of white from uh, Alsace, uh, mostly mm. Riesling, dry Riesling. Right. Uh, making great wines. Uh, yes. Um, um, more and more from, but, um, from uh, Roussillon. Uh, mm-hmm. But not the very rich and very uh, uh, rich white. The more the the whites uh, made at a higher altitude. Right. Uh, right, those are good ones. Do you have? This may be the silliest question, but it's a good one. Do you have a favorite wine and food pairing? Not something you necessarily eat every night or every month, but what is just that great wine and food pairing to you? Uh, I it's difficult to say, but I think the, the wine we are appreciate the most are always made by friends, you know? Right. Uh, because you, you, you know the way they, they have done it. You know all the the energy they put in the wine, so it's always the favorite. Even if it's not the best wine, it will be the it will be the best. <laughs> so what is what is a favorite friend's wine? What does it pair well with? What's what's is there a wine pairing, or it's hard to answer that? Ah. Uh, um. I will say maybe something um, Clobaquet from Elian Dajos with uh, lamb. For me, it's the perfect pairing um, because I love for. lamb. Okay. Uh, right, that's a good one. Um, do you ever get out around there? I mean, is there a wine bar or restaurants? I mean, do you have a favorite place? Just to maybe get yes, out of there? we used to have. <laughs> no, okay. But, uh, we are very lucky. No, we are very lucky in this area because there is um, there are a lot of restaurants from the top three star like Peak or Les Cedres in, uh, uh, in this area. Uh, we have some less small wine bar, but there is a very nice wine bar in Tan Hermitage, Bateau Ivre, uh, with a very nice welcome, warm welcome, so you can drink nice wine, lower so, price. So, so it sounds like you have some good places there. Um, I just wanted to let you know, we post um, all our guest answers on our social media sites so they could, you know, see them. Um, I... I 
I've been doing the show over four years, and I asked this question from the beginning, but it's changed a little. I used to ask people, what is your favorite all-time wine? And the idea was, Jean, what was the most expensive rare wine you drank? I don't care about that answer anymore. The question really is, you, you know, what is what is an important wine to you? What is a wine throughout, you know, your life, your wine career that that you know really woke you up or you know still makes an impression can you can you think of one or two um i, th I think that it's a question of uh the moment you know uh so we had i don't know two years ago uh chateauneuf du pape laurent chardin 2005 and it was just the right time the right place the right friends uh, and I can still feel the, the taste of this wine in my mouth so uh, so, so because, I think that's that's the answer to the question you know at the time at the place who you were with it was obviously a wonderful wine and that has occurred probably, you know, other times. I mean, that's that's the way to answer that question. It's it's the time to have an emotion. It's not the time to to have an analysis of the wine. It's just time to 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 feel good and to let you have emotions. Right. I agree with that. I agree that feeling and environment is as important as, you know, the wine itself. And that's what makes the whole thing special. Um, last question. What the question is, and I'm not going to ask you as the question we, we, cause we have a lot of sommeliers on and winemakers, you know, you make a handful of wines. We ask people, what are some of the best wines to drink around, you know, that are around 15, $20 American, I'm not going to ask you that question. I'll ask it to you this way. What what wines, and think of a white or a red, what wines present the best value to the drinkers? Like certainly Muscadet is delicious and it's very reasonable, you know, for a white. I'm thinking that way. What, what When you think of, you know, if I said to my kids in their 20s, I just asked Jean Gonan what wines you should buy you know, that are not expensive. Here's what he said. And, you know, they would look up and go, well, he knows what he's saying. What, what can you think of? Uh, I, I will say, uh, of course, you can say Muscadet. You can say all the wife from the Loire, Vouvray, Montlouis. Um, but, uh, and a little bit uh, more in this area, uh, it's Coteau de Lyonnais, I think, the best value. Right. So it's just um, south of Lyon, so they have uh, very good gamay. They can have some Syrah too. Uh, the white is made with Chardonnay. And it's for, in this area, I think it's the best value. Those those Coteau are good ones. Those are good ones. Um, 
You did a great job, Jean. And like I said, I'm going to post those. Uh, I didn't mean to throw you off by subjecting you to those questions. Um, I had mentioned to you if we had time, if you and I could taste a little wine on the air. I pulled out of my cellar a 2016, the St. Joseph Rouge. I have a glass in okay. front of me. Um, so I'm tasting the 2016 Domaine Pierre going on, St. Joseph the rouge can you tell me a little more about this particular wine so about the vintage maybe mm -hmm. the vintage was the vintage 16 was the last classic vintage we had before 17 very dry 18 very hot 19 very hot so 16 was quite classic with a lot of rain in spring uh, and uh, after summer was okay, but uh, not so good. But suddenly the weather changed at the end of July, and we had a beautiful August. Um, and August made the wine, so it's a classic vintage. So the the wines are a little bit close, I think, and on the reduction for the moment, they right. need maybe two or three years more to age. Um, so don't drink an eight. Don't drink the sixteen till at least twenty two, twenty three. Is what you're saying? Yes. Or put put it gently in a decanter for two hours. Okay. Maybe, if you want now, to drink it. You said the seventeen, eighteen, and the nineteen were hot. What? What? And that sixteen was classic. The heat. What is that? due to the wine? Is that something you have to do in the farm or in the cellar? Or, you know, like you said, you deal with mother nature and the grapes she gives you after you attend to them. What makes those vintages different than the 16? Yes, the, the, the challenge maybe with uh, this uh, global warming is to, to have more, to pay more attention of the vineyard to, to keep more leaves to uh, to stop plowing when it's too dry. Um, every details uh, will come at the end of of, of the year, right. and maybe the harvest time has changed too because uh, you can't say that you will pick very late or no. You you need to pick ripe and very ripe. But at the right time, and when it's it's ripe, it's done. You need so you need more pickers. Uh, you have less time to do it, um, so you need to be more precise. Now, because uh, with, of global with, kind of vintages. with global warming, um, creating three consecutive hot vintages, does that mean you're picking earlier? Yes, uh, and yes, we are picking earlier, but we are picking ripe. We right. don't want to pick earlier to pick to keep right. more acidity, and no, we we pick at the right. We try to pick at the right time when it's very ripe, but not overripe, and it's right. maybe more difficult because you can't pick all the day because the the afternoon has. Uh, are 
too warm, so you need to pick on, on in the morning with more people. So it's uh, it's a little bit challenging. Right. Um, all right, so I have the wine in front of me. The color is, you know, typically uh, a deep, you know, dark purple. Um, the nose on this wine, um, it's certainly not closed. Um, what 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 are your rememberings of the 16 nose? What do you get from this wine? Yeah, it's it's not close, but for me it's a little bit reducing, so it's a little bit meaty, uh, and it needs maybe uh, it needs some oxygen to to have something a little bit more full, uh, like some violets or old um, roses flavors. Right. Right, I, I agree with that. Violets came to my mind right away. Um, would you say the mouthfeel on, on most or all of your wines is a, a full-bodied mouthfeel? How would you describe them? When I say full-bodied, I mean that in a positive way, that it's not thick or unctuous or yeah, over. They are full-bodied, but they are not fat, you know? Mm. They have always That's what I this uh, austerity, maybe. A little, mm -hmm. They are a little bit severe in the mouth because you've got more... Uh, it, it's not really fruity, it's more salty. Yes. The sensation in the mouth, uh, like uh, anchovies or... Uh, you've got this sensation Yes, tapenade, black, yep. black olives. Yep. Mm. Um, talk to me about the palate. Um, everything we discussed, I just picked up. I, I The violets were very prominent. The saltiness is a signature of the wine. Um, a little of that smoky, meaty. What else is there? Yes, so there is no nothing about the wood. Um, because we are using only whole barrels, no new oak, so there is nothing. But you can feel the the structure. The, there is not a lot of flesh, like a very ripe fruit, but yes. uh, something dense. I don't what? know how to explain. It's dense, but it's not full bodied in the in terms of flesh or around the mouth. I, I something agree with drinkable. That. What would you describe any fruits in this? Black fruits? What comes to mind? Yeah, it's 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 more yeah more than something fruity, maybe something like prunelle, uh, small plums. Right. Uh, so Blue, not dark fruit, but m maybe more blue fruit. Right. Blueberries, um, yes, prunelle. Right. Uh, small it, it, plums, very blue. Uh, it's like a small plum sprinkled with a teeny bit of salt, which is to me very interesting. Yeah. Um, these wines pair well with meats, lamb, grilled, anything else? 
Pigeon. 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 I think all the meat with uh, a little bit of blood, you know, so the yes. pink meat. Yep. Uh, because you, you've got this touch of saltiness and bloody in the wine. So it's pairing well. Yeah. With uh, pigeon, lamb. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we just tasted the 2016. Domaine Pierre going on, St. Joseph Rouge. Um, it's out there, you know, not easy to find because people like me, when they see it, hoard it. Um, but there are still people that have it, and you could find it in some good restaurants. Um, Sean, we have to wrap up. It's been over an hour. It went very quickly. I could probably okay. sit here another hour with you. Um, let me do a quick wrap up. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening or event, hit me up at Sam at the grape nation.com. That's Sam at the grape nation.com. Um, please subscribe to the grape nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. On Instagram, you could follow us at SBenRuby. And on Twitter, at BenRuby. But you can use the hashtag The Grape Nation on both to get to us. As I mentioned earlier, I will post Jean's wine list. I will lay out the answers that he gave us to our five questions. I will also give you more information on our weekly wine sip, the 2016. Um... And that will be on all our social media sites. Um, John, not that you need help, but if people want to find out more about Domaine Pierre going on, what's the best place for them to turn to? The best way maybe is to email, and I will answer. Okay. Um, where should they email? <laughs> to Gonom. Okay. Point Pierre at wanadu.fr. Okay. Wanadu, W-A-N-A-D-O-O dot F-R, France. We got that. All right, yeah. John, I've been waiting to talk to you because I love your wines. I love the work you do. You. I love your commitment. Um, you know, this to me was, I wouldn't use the word fun, but this was a very fulfilling interview um, to have the opportunity to talk to you firsthand about everything you're doing out there, which I think is great. So I want to thank our guest, Jean Gonan from Domaine Pierre Gonan. Um, I want to thank our engineer, Matt, for helping us get through all of this and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.